Autism is a podcast on living with autism. Hi, I'm Jim. And hi, I'm Sai. So Jim and I don't have autism, but the both of us live with autism. We are parents to two boys with autism. Ty is 15 years old, and he was diagnosed at the age of 7 years old. Dee is 14 years old, and he was diagnosed at the age of 3 years old. And I want to state that Sai and I are parents, and we are speaking from a parent's perspective. Yes, Jim and I are not professionals. We are not educators or specialists. Um, Jim and I are parents. We have been married for the last 19 years. We have five children, two boys and three girls. Ty and Thea are both our oldest. Then we have Gia, but she drowned when she was six years old. If she was alive today, she would be 12 years old. And finally, we have Dua, who is 11 years old, and Lucia, who is three years old. So, Sai, what I want to start out with is expectations. And I can lead off with that. Great. So as a father with two sons with autism, I just want to say that I never saw it coming. You know, before you and I had kids and we talked about having kids and we were, we were envisioning a family, at least I never said, I want a son or daughter with autism. And that's why I say I, I, I never saw it coming. The father who I envisioned myself being died before he ever came to be. Like I envisioned myself being a father of someone who didn't have autism. And that person just never materialized. Uh, the sons that I envisioned to have never existed. You know, instead I had sons who were diagnosed with autism. And I quickly learned that I needed to be the father that they needed. Right? I needed to be the father who understood what autism was father who knew how to support them, father who knew what the expectations were. I needed to understand what they need. Yes, I agree. For us to understand what our sons needed, we needed to re-envision our lives because the life we envisioned before of being this mother and father and having this beautiful family, that came tumbling down like Jenga pieces once Dee was diagnosed. Yes, that was painful. And... Dee was our first child to be diagnosed. At the time, we didn't know what autism was and how that was going to impact our family. Right. After Thee was diagnosed, we decided to have you stay home and care for our children. Sai, what do you remember about how it was like to come home? Thank you for asking that question, Jim, because I remember the decision to come home was really painful. It was as painful as finding out that Thee had autism, right? And I don't think he ever knew, but I fell into a deep depression after I came home, right? Not only was it difficult to just have had a child diagnosed with autism and to have to care for this child, there was also two other children that I had to care for, and all three of them were still in diapers. Remember, Ty was just four, Thee was three, and Jill was just born. And um, we went from having two income to one income and depended on SNAP and medical assistance to support our family. You know, I grew up in government assistant, right? And I never thought I would have my own family grow up on it as well. So to come home to be on government assistant, that was really shameful. 
So, so I want us to stay with this just a little bit longer about expectations. So in a sense, we had to grieve and mourn for the family that we never had. Yes. Right. Um, we had to do that before we really were able to move forward with living with our two sons with Tainti as they were, as they are, right? For me, um, I, I questioned um, why this was happening. I questioned what I needed to do. And when I learned that autism wasn't something that they grow out of, Right. It's not something like, oh, they'll just have it for, you know, four or five years and they'll, they'll be good going forward. Uh, when I learned that they're going to have it at four, they're going to have it at 14 and they'll have it at 44. That was just um, that really changed my mindset. Yes. Thank you, Jim, for bringing up the fact that autism is a lifelong condition. With the stage and time these life, right, each point in their development, right? There's going to be a new set of struggles. And with that, there's going to be a new grieving process that we have to get through. Yes, I think you hit the um, the nail with the hammer there. That every stage, it felt like we had to grieve another set of expectations. Yes. Right? So, for example, the is transitioning from eighth grade to ninth grade, which is middle school to high school. And we were invited to registration day for his high school. And we got a whole presentation from the school counselor as to what ninth grade uh, graders should be signing up for, how many credits they should have, and all the classes that's available. And we went through the whole thing with the, we listened to the presentation, we sat down with him, he got to choose his classes. And when we stood in line and handed that uh, sheet of classes that he chose to the counselor, uh, we started to ask the counselor about special education yes, we accommodations. Mm-hmm. And Jim, can, can I tell this part? Because I want to describe some of the emotions from that event. Because it was heart-wrenching to see the dumbfounded look on the counselor's face when we handed her the class schedule, and she found out that he had autism. <laughs> you know, the look on her face tugged at my heart. And when it did, it felt like she reached inside me and squashed my hopes and dreams of the entering into high school. <laughs> Then when Thee heard that he didn't have to fill out the class schedule, he let out this big sigh, right? And when he did, my legs just grew weak, and I started to feel his disappointment fill my body. (laughs) Thee was denied a class schedule that day because of his autism. Because of his autism, he was going to be in a specialized program. And this program had different requirements, right? And he didn't know it, but I knew it. 
I knew it that he was not going to get the normal high school experience that he had thought in his head that he was going to get. The experience, that experience made me so disappointed and shameful for having a child with autism. And I was devastated all over again. And that was devastating for me too. And as his father, all I could think about is, Thea, I want to get you more than just spending some time in a special educa- education classroom in high school. Yeah. We're, we're going to try to get you some um, activities outside of the school that you like to do. We're going to supplement your um, learning at high school with these activities. And you're not just going to be stuck in a special ed for four years in high school. And to me, that's, as his father, that's kind of how I deal with, with uh, a son living with autism. Yeah, he can't, he can't go into <laughs> a language class and be expected to be successful, French, German, home, whatever you want to, whatever you want to pick, right? But he can do, he can do activities that he's interested in. If it's not offered by the school, then we'll find it somewhere else and that's kind of how we support thee through this. And again, to me, as a father, that's that's another set of um, expectations that I grieve over. That was disappointing to me, too. Yeah, you know, and what I found over the years is that not only do I grieve my own losses, I also take in the grief of our two boys and their losses, right? Even though they don't understand or they're unaware of what these losses are but because I know what they are I'm grieving for them as well and that's something that I have had to live with right my losses and their losses and that is how autism has really impacted us you know when I say us you know, really mean the boys and um, our family. So I think you illustrate very well one part of what it's been like the last 13 years struggling with autism. Right. So at this point, I want to distinguish research and studying autism and living with autism. Mm -hmm. So research and studying autism, even consuming autism, that can be helpful. I think research and, research and studying autism and teaching autism, that can help someone with autism know what kind of medication to take. That can help someone know what kind of accommodations uh, can be helpful to them. Some, that can help them know what kind of career pathway they could uh, take when they become adults. In terms of consuming autism, that could help someone who doesn't know anything about autism know the story of that one person who was successful with autism and all that's good, but that's not the same thing as living with autism. So our boys have special needs in terms of communication, socialization, and motor skills. And those needs are very overwhelming and demanding. And because of that, we've had to adapt as their parents, right, Sai? Right. As parents, both you and I had to come home to be with our children. I haven't had a job in 10 years, and so you haven't worked in 13 years. Mm -hmm. I used to have a full-time job prior to our kids being home, 
I remember when we lived in a duplex on the top floor and our Hmong neighbor below, a father of six or seven kids, didn't go to work at all. All he did was take care of his kids. And I used to think that he was lazy and he should just get a job and be like me. Well, I've come around on that now because I've had to stay home and take care of my kids. I used to think that if I make X amount of money and have X amount of things that this at this specific point in my life that I will be successful. I don't have that money or those things at this point in my life. My success now lies in the joy of my children and the jobs that I have taken must align with our family's priorities and routine. Like going back to school full time, graduating, um, working with organizations that support families of children, special needs, school board work are some examples. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you're sharing how you've changed, right? But I don't feel that I've changed. I'm still that mother who has come home to care for her children, unsure what autism is and unsure what it may bring. I feel like for the last 13 years, I've been stuck in this place of shame. I feel ashamed because my family and my community has no empathy and compassion for my struggles. Like, I don't exist, right? But mm. my struggles are real. My children are real. My family is real. We are part of a community, this community. And because my children have autism, it's been hard for me to be anything else other than this mother who have come home to care for her children. And that hurts. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up shame because that's a huge component of motivates me. Uh, sometimes when I think that people look at us with autism, look at my my two boys, Tiny, it's like they're it's like they're incomplete, right? Mm-hmm. And I always think about why is it so important that I adapt? Why is it why is that so important to me? And it's because I want to prove to my children that. Autism doesn't make you damaged or incomplete. In fact, it's the opposite. It makes you whole. It gives you perspective and agency that you otherwise wouldn't have. And our community is better because Ty and Thee were born, because they lived. Yes. I think you're right on that, Jim, right? I'm a mother, and I'm raising children with autism. But why have I not changed in the last 13 years? Why am I still stuck in this place of shame? I was not born this way, and my children were not born this way. We became this way because community lack empathy and compassion for our struggles. This lack of empathy and compassion creates this place of shame. Like you said before, right? Consuming autism and researching autism isn't enough. That doesn't count as living with autism. What I'd like community to know is that they need to acknowledge their role in creating this place of shame for family like mine. This is how community will understand how it is like to live with autism. I think what you said about shame and community there is profound. I think uh, going forward... What do we have to look forward for our family and our sons? 
well, there are no roadmaps for adults with autism, no IEPs, very few state and federal support. It really is an opportunity for you and me side to move into uncharted waters with Ty and Thee. Yes, I, absolutely right. I think Ty is 15 years old and he has no one to call a friend. I think this is just very sad to have no one to call as a friend. For me, as both Ty and Thee transition from being children into adults, I want to transition from being their mother into being their friend, being this model for them. Because I've seen that having autism is very isolating, and I don't want it to always be that way for them. And I think the more people they have in their life that has been with them for that period of time, the better. Uh, what is obvious to me in the monkey community is that there are very few role models or leaders who have disabilities like autism. The people who do have disabilities tend to live in the margins of our community. And I think there's opportunity for Ty and Thee to be a part of a necessary change in the monkey community uh, where those members who live with disabilities are seen and celebrated. Yes. So, Jim, I think we're coming close to an end here, right? What would you like listeners to know about families living with autism? You know, I'd like listeners to know that when they meet a family living with autism, that all they see is the tip of the iceberg. They just see like that 15%. And underneath the water is like that 85% of the iceberg. And what's, what's underneath is like a lifetime of struggle that's unseen. It is. It is a lifetime of struggles that's unseen, right? I would like listeners to know that anything less than empathy and compassion brings shame to family living with autism, right? So thank you for that, Jim. Thank you for sharing with me and for doing this work of parenting with me. And thank you, Sai, for giving narrative towards living with autism. You know, it's been a long road up to this point and an even longer road ahead for us to come. I wouldn't want to travel on that road with anyone else but you. Autism was written and produced by Sai Tao and Jim Vu and recorded at In Progress, a nonprofit arts group housed in the North End neighborhood of St. Paul as a part of Sound Stories.